Well, good morning and welcome everyone. I am your host, James Orr, and this is another episode of the servingrealestateinvestors.com podcast, webinar series, Substack, whatever we're doing. And this is on the importance of social proof. We're going to cover some topics related to social proof, how you can very methodically, very consciously work on improving social proof. Some things that you will want to be aware of as you grow your kind of real estate investing classes and the stuff that you're kind of doing to serve the real estate investors in your community and to kind of help them. So that was my alarm to remind myself to teach class. Uh, I guess I'm a little early. And let's jump right into today's presentation. So social proof. I, I find myself historically often saying, hey, don't blindly trust me. Look at blank. And this is the idea behind social proof is, you know, there's a lot of people out there and when they're meeting you for the first time, they're naturally skeptical. And I think part of what your role is, is to overcome skepticism and show them social proof to show them that what you're saying is true and that they should believe you and that other people believe you. And hopefully that will help you be more persuasive and be able to help them do whatever they're trying to achieve, whatever their goals are as a real estate investor. If you're kind of serving the real estate investor community, you know, whatever it is that they're trying to do, this will help them achieve their goals by you being able to be a source of reliable, trustworthy information. Um, and don't betray that trust. But the idea is that getting some social proof will help you put you in a position so that you can be more persuasive and help them make decisions that are good for them. Not that are good for you, but that are good for them. Social proof in general builds up over time, but I do think you need to be deliberate about it. I think that you need to focus in on the things that have an impact that will demonstrate social proof and try to deliberately, consciously grow that. For example, the number of members you have in your meetup, your kind of like group for teaching real estate investor classes, is one signal of social proof. Now, realize the challenge for a lot of you is that you may not have direct control over this in the very beginning. You know, starting brand new, you're going to have zero members at some point or one member, you, at some point when you start your group. And that it takes a lot to get that first member besides you, takes a lot to get that second member besides you. If you remember from the class, I showed you all my market stats where I, I showed you the, the growth rate of the different meetups I started, of the growth rate of the podcast stuff, you will see that it takes some time to build up some momentum there. But eventually, you will have members in your group, which is a social proof signal that what you're doing is valuable, that you've been doing it for a while. And a lot of these examples of social proof, I'll kind of go off on a tangent here. A lot of the examples of social proof, they are the way they are for a reason. It's hard for you to get 100 people as members of your group. It's hard for you to get 1,500 members for your group. You need to do it consistently over time and demonstrate value. And, and so that's a good signal. It's a good signal to the people that are looking at and considering your group. You want to have signals like this in a marketplace to build a, you know, somewhat of a moat around you in your marketplace from preventing other people from trying to duplicate what you have. If it were easy, 
it wouldn't be worth doing. You know, if anybody could pop up a meetup group and a week later have a thousand members and you'll be able to do this, it would not be worth doing. You might think you want that, but then there would be no benefits doing it. Okay. So what you want to do is you want something that is worthwhile to work toward, to put in effort over time and grow because that has value. And so the members of your meetup is one of an example of signal of social proof. Another example of this is existing clients in the room. When you hold a class, getting existing clients to show up is important. That's a signal of social proof. It's a signal of your trustworthiness. It's a signal of your value, of how much value you're adding that existing clients are showing up. So in order to help accomplish that, you do need to do a wide range of classes to get experienced investors to come back. You do need new classes too, you know, classes for beginners. And sometimes existing clients will still show up to those because they're afraid they're missing something. And some clients just, they show up every week for the social aspect of it. But you really do need to have a wide range of topics so that you get the investor that bought, you know, 10 rental properties from you to show up for a certain class. And then the new people will show up and they will see the social proof, the proof that you have clients that have bought a bunch of rental properties and that you're helping them. And then you let them, in my opinion, you let them help sell the other new investors on why they should use you. You know, when they go and you're going around the room and you're doing introductions and one of the questions is, you know, um, you know what did you learn after you, you know, bought your rental properties or how many rental properties do you have? Although I don't ask that question, but, you know, if you're asking questions where they can demonstrate their expertise and their achievements, then, which actually is probably a different class, is allowing your clients to demonstrate their achievements, sort of like giving out gold stars. It's probably a class coming up on that at some point. But anyway, the, the idea is that if you, if you let them demonstrate their expertise, you know, they're answering questions, they seem knowledgeable, a lot of times the newer investors will gravitate toward these experienced investors after the class, and then the experienced investors can help the newer investors make decisions. And one of the things that inevitably comes up is, you know, how do you get started doing your first deal? And if you are doing a great job and your experienced investors in the room know, like, and trust you and have confidence and want to continue using you, a lot of times they'll say, the first step is go meet with James, have lunch, and he'll help walk you through the whole process. He knows exactly how to do it. You don't need to have me sit here and explain it to you. James will take you by the hand and assist you, or you will do that for the clients. And so you let your experienced investors demonstrate that they are using you as their real estate agent, as their lender, as their accountant, whatever it is they're doing, and that they should go meet with you to discuss how to do the process. That's another example of social proof, having clients in the room and having those clients be your advocates, be your vocal advocates, both one-on-one and in the room itself. You know, So realize that you need to teach a wide range of classes to get those experience there. Another thing that is an example of social proof is having your classes scheduled out well into the future. Not only does this give you sort of a external promise you've made to the world that you plan on showing up and teaching this class, but it also demonstrates to them that you are serious about your classes. It's a social proof trigger that you are serious and that you are doing consistent classes every week and that it's not like hit or miss. You don't want your monthly newsletter to show up every third month 
or you know, two months in a row, and then you skip two months. You really want to have some type of consistency as another example of social proof. And so one of the things that you can control from the very beginning and that you have control over throughout the entire process is the classes you have scheduled out well into the future. You know, you don't have control over how many members are in your group at first, but you do have control over, you know, scheduling out the first three months or six months worth of classes. Um, and one of the things that I would do with mine is I would set up so that there was a generic class that would uh, that was set to repeat. But then I will go through and I will edit that class usually at least four or five weeks in advance, a month in advance, because well, on all the presentations I do, we have the next five upcoming classes that we talk about, which is another way to demonstrate social proof when they get to class. But the social proof that example I'm talking about now is having them up on your meetup, meetup with really well-defined, really good descriptions of the classes with exciting you know, enticing salesmanship in print, you know, copywriting of what it is that you're planning on cover so that they have to show up. They want to show up. They feel compelled to show up for that class because they would be missing information if they didn't show up. That's the idea, okay? And you have control over that, even if you have zero members, okay? Uh, another example of social proof is photos from the meetings. It's harder to do when you only have one or two people showing up, which is natural and normal and expected in the beginning is to have small numbers of people show up. Maybe not for every class, but you know, from some classes as you're building up your following and your audience. But once you start getting a few people there, taking some photos of the meetings and having the photos be different for each meeting, like when you're done with the meeting, you can upload the photos from the meeting and show people that, hey, look, if you come, this is what it's going to look like. There's going to be five to 10 other people in a room, 10 to 20 people in the room, 30 people, 100 people, whatever your meetings look like. And this is what the photos look like. This is what it looks like networking afterward. This is what it looks like when everyone's sitting riveted by the presentation you're giving. I mean, so like the photos from the meetings are another example of social proof that when people are deciding, should I join your group? Should I come to your group? Which ultimately is sort of a precursor to, should I work with you? Then photos become important. Similarly, the recordings you have, whether you post them as podcasts or videos to your website or videos to YouTube or whatever it is, the quantity of classes, the quantity of class recordings you have in your library, the quantity of the podcast episodes you have, the length of the content, the content that you have, uh, the descriptions, whether they've got really good detailed descriptions of what's covered and compelling copy in order to get you to listen to it, good headlines, you know, good videos if you're a good um um, kind of like images to kind of get you to watch the, the episode if you're doing that. Now, am I perfect at doing all this? Absolutely not. But are these examples of social proof triggers of quality, triggers to get you more clients to help people realize that you're legit, that you're there to serve for a long period of time, that you're committed to this? Absolutely. Okay. Reviews of the podcast and the episodes and the videos. If you show up and it looks like a ghost town, think about this from your own perspective. If you go and you're wanting, you're interested in a topic and you decide to join a meetup group because you're interested in whatever it is, paddleboarding or biking or hiking or you know, um, going out and drinking and book club and whatever else you got, right? Like anything that you're interested in, if you show up to the meetup and it looks like it's dead, it's inactive, there are no photos, the descriptions are bad, it's like a single sentence, let's get together and get drunk 
or you know, let's go, let's go hike. And it's no description about what you're doing and no detailed information and rules and, you know, uh, pictures of things and people not RSVP in. You want to have all of these triggers for social proof, because if you showed up to a meetup and it looked like that, you might not even join. And you have an interest in that. That's why you sought it out. So you want to make sure that you show all these triggers, all this social proof of quality, so that you can get people to join your group, then you get them to come to the meeting, then you get them to listen to a recording, then you get them to possibly reach out to you to meet for lunch, then you get to work with them as a client. I mean, that's really the, the very basic idea of the process. Okay, So you need all of these things over time, doesn't all have to happen at once, but reviews, you know, good quality, all the different signs of quality, look there and try to be as robust, demonstrate social proof as much as possible. Speaking of reviews, so in my opinion, you should pick one place to pick to house all of your reviews. So for an example, I happen to pick Zillow as where I would send people specifically requesting them for a review online. And I was not good at doing this. Um, I would be good in spurts. I would occasionally get on a kick where I'm like, oh, we probably should be emailing people about reviews as we do them. But focus on asking for and getting reviews in one place. And so this is an example of my Zillow profile. Um, you can see I have not been active. <laughs> I think I've had one sale in the last 12 months, which I don't think is exactly true. I think it may be more than that. But uh, I don't think Zillow is 100% accurate in tracking all these things. So you can see this, though. It says uh, one sale in the last 12 months because I've been quasi-retired. Um, but then it shows you the number of reviews you have. I have a five-star rating, 5.0, 69 reviews. I have some information about like what I cater to. Then it shows you apparently the 194 listings and sales I've had um, in those things. Map can show up to the most recent 100 or so. So it kind of shows those. So this is just the place you go in order to list the different places where you focus in on this um, and put it up there. Then you ask people to send you the review Ask people to go there and put your review on there and you send them to that one place. In my opinion, and, and there's there's differing opinions on this. So there's some people that are like, hey, look, you need to have reviews in all these different places. I would rather have a really good spot that has all my reviews in one spot than to show like three reviews in one space and four reviews in another space and six reviews over here because I want to be the guy that they show up and they're like, oh, look, this guy's got 69 reviews. All of them are five stars. I'd rather work with him versus someone saying, oh, look, you know, here's another four star, you know, or, or four review person. Maybe they're all five stars, but there's only four reviews here. So they're not that experienced. I'd rather get the people that are looking for experience. And then I also use this to, to my little description here in order to cater to who I want to work with. And then I link to this one spot for social proof. So this is, you know, if I were, if it was asking me for a website as to, you know, where people can find out more about you, I might link to this where people can see the reviews. Or if I have a list, uh, a link in a book or a, uh, an ad or an article or something like that, I might link to, to this so I can show the reviews. Or I might just show an image of it. And a lot of times what I would also do is I would pull out the individual reviews, what people wrote about me working with me. And I would put those into the newsletter, which I'd showed you before. I had a, a little side column on the front page, which was like one review. I'd go pull that out. And if you figure... 
you know, you're publishing this thing once a month. If you get one review a month, you know, you're doing 12 transactions a year, then you have enough reviews to put those in the newsletter, right? If you're doing more than that, you could choose the best one. So I pulled them out. I put them into the newsletter. I put them into class descriptions if it was appropriate. Um, we put them into the books, which I'll show you when we cover the client book. The first, like, I don't know, 10 pages of the client book are literally every review. I just copy and paste them into there. And I you know I think I said like, you know, another five-star review and I'd have what people were saying about me and the transaction that we helped them with. And so I would just include those. This is another example of social proof that you should focus on. This is worth putting time into is to get this reputation built and to have people, you know, want to work with you to show that. All right, that's all I got. Hopefully that was helpful for you understanding this concept of social proof, why it's important, some examples of how to do it. And uh, hopefully that you will take that to heart and apply that so that you can generate some more business for yourself and serve more real estate investors. This has been James Orr. I hope everyone has a great weekend. Uh, we did not have a class yesterday. So if you're wondering why there was a gap, I uh, did an interview with another podcast yesterday and it happened to be during the time when I would normally teach this. So we just took one day off. And so there was no class yesterday. You didn't miss anything. There will be a class today and, of course, uh, next week. And then we'll decide what we're going to do at the end of the quarter um, as to whether we're going to continue with these and in what format. That's the thought as of right now. Subject to change. All that stuff subject to change. All right. Have a great weekend, everybody. Bye-bye for now.